Hey Coconuts, welcome to another episode of Weekly Market Updates where we scour the net for interesting markets news. We have Reggie with us today, so naturally we are going to talk about China and be more China-centric. We'll cover the latest about DD and China tech regulation, a brief update on the macro situation in China, and just to keep to our US tech roots, a report on CropStrike's latest earnings. I'm excited about this episode already. Let's go! Hey Coconuts, welcome to another episode of Weekly Market Updates with me, Anthony and Reggie. And me, Reggie. <laughs> and nobody else. Of us. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, it, it's not only we have to get a guest, then the third person also going to be saying, Ay. What, what's everybody so busy with? Uh? Jefferson COVID has, can a, go has a, already, uh? No, no, Jefferson has a broken pipe, right? I think, I think yeah. that's, that's the situation. The toilet leaking, um, of course. Yeah, toilet I leaking just him. to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have good faith, like You know, although he one week go Australia, lah. Next week go cruise, lah. It's like, it's like yeah, this one, I think true, lah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just stop fit that, lah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need a reboot, right? We need to regroup the audience. <laughs> but yeah, yes. yeah. And so it's just, yeah. it's just and I think Rakesh right, is yes. And Rakesh is yeah, Rakesh is on so the go lah, right? Okay. He's, yeah, he's just gonna get gonna get busy and all. So we're gonna today's just two of us lah, huh? So it's gonna be less energy high. We're just gonna hang out. It's gonna be that kind of vibes, right? Yes, so, and we're just gonna talk about yeah. China and China and China and China and China. <laughs> well, we try not to lah. We're we are, we are yeah, not gonna talk about Elon Musk today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. We're not. We're not. <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going there but but yes today no. is just us so you know we can just have a like good time talking about but there's some China involved lah, as, as we've as we, every time I'm just getting boxed into this China thing right every time people see me yeah. on the show it's like oh come on let's talk China would, would you like to right, do it in yeah. Chinese then we do a bilingual yeah. show today <laughs> No, no, not today, not today. Okay. Hey, really talk about talk about stocks in Chinese. You need to prep one, you know. Like my Mandarin standards are pretty good, you know. But, but I still need to have a little bit more prep if I want to do, you know, in Mandarin, right? So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, Anthony, how okay. about you get us going, lah? Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> what, throw the on the back. meat. <laughs> yes, on the meat of today's episode in English, right? We are going to talk a bit about TT. Well, we have. Reggie here, so why not? We are going to talk about CrowdStrike earnings, so the end of tech earnings season, thankfully. Then we can move on to talking about other more interesting things. And lastly, we are going to talk about macro, right? If Jefferson doesn't get his pipe fixed, we'll talk about macro anyway and just shift it towards China. Okay, so why don't we start with Titi? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I wanted you to start, but it's okay. Yes, so I'm going to start. DD surges 65% following Beijing's quote-unquote end to cybersecurity probe. Okay, in other words, what people are trying to say is that, oh, Beijing is kind of stalling on this whole uh, hard probe into trying to control the companies and and all that, right? And, And with that, yeah, there's a huge surge in the market and... Yeah, I mean, there's tons and tons of articles and it's making headlines. So you you know it's something, right? Yeah, but what's with the big side? I mean, I, I like that part where you added quote-unquote end, right? Because that, that's yes. really editorializing. That's you know, the headline makers wanting to say something. But yes. is it really the end? Yeah, I th- and exactly, I double down on you with that, right? I think a lot of people want to make it sound like, okay, this is we are where it is already. But if for all of you listening in, I think we need to first learn a little bit about how regulations 
come about, right? Usually regulators are late to the game. La. I mean, you, you can correct me, like Anthony, you're a lawyer, right? So usually regulators are late to the game. The industry or whatever game has to play for a little bit longer first to start to observe the negative impacts and the kind of uh, repercussions that are not aligned with society. If you broadly believe that this is how, you know... Uh, <laughs> Regulators, they have the interest for society, lah. If you believe in, I won't say anything about this. <laughs> yeah, we don't go there, okay? But yeah, lah. That's that's the idea, right? So, um, as, as the game plays out, you you start to see all these repercussions, and while these repercussions exist, then regulators will come in to try to mitigate the downside and try to maximize the positive side of things that they they would love to have for society and of course depending on who they are who they work for what do they believe in uh, it will all affect regulation right so to me this is just China's start to regulating capitalistic ideas right where in the early days because they needed to essentially make money right they needed to grow their economy yep the easiest way was to essentially do some sort of tech transfer, right? Let all mm. these kind of uh, American companies and all these uh, other companies to come in and, you know, just essentially be their slut, lah, right? For, for, and, for, and for steal for, their IP. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Hey, that's a, that is a mutually agreed tech transfer. <laughs> uh, never, never steal their IP. Uh. But I, I would say, the, the, I would say the, the bigger steal their IP effort would be to send truckloads of Chinese students abroad you know, to learn in best the best institutions and then be so powerful in convincing them to come back to China. I would say that's a bigger, quote-unquote, steal the IP. It's really just me sending my best students to your best institutions and convincing them to come back, to, you know, bring whatever that they mm. have learned back to the country, right? So so that's, uh, I say until like, I, like, I run China, right? No, I don't. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but essentially... I think where I'm pushing this idea is to allow our coconuts to understand how regulations work. And China is only in the early days of regulating some of these big sectors, right? Because for the longest time, they never had sectors this big. They had a lot of sectors that are regional, you know, or even local, right? So even your Dalian, you know, your Wanhua, you know, some of these, all these other companies that made steel or your Wahaha group, they sell beverage and, you know, some of these other earlier companies, maybe sometimes in the 2000s that they were quite dominant, your FMCGs, your property developers, <laughs> even they weren't so powerful, right? They build buildings, they sell a lot of beverage and they make a lot of money, yes, but they are not like controlling the people. They're not influencing how people think. They are not regulating what you consume every day. You know, you're not going to fall in love with your property developer, right? <coughs> After you shift in, you're saying, wow, this one's spoiled, that one pie, you know? It's, it's, it's like, wow, this guy cheat me. <laughs> I think that's a important thing to note, right? A lot of Singaporeans, they they think properties are all, you know, like, sweet, sweet one. You know, oh. but when you start to travel, you realize that property developments are, are, are not consistent throughout. Huh? But yes. anyway, so based on this idea, I think China is only in the early days of recognizing how big some of these sectors are, how much influence they have, and how do you then essentially play in a realm of companies that are this big, which the US have already gone through, which, you know, the some of the European regions, I would argue that, you know, are still learning because... To be fair, a lot of these big, big tech platforms, you know, um, you don't see them in, in Europe, right? So, or even in, in Japan, right? So I would argue that the US is the only one that is also at the same time learning. It's only recently that they are regulating these companies, right? So, okay, before that, they break up Microsoft and all that. Yes, there are some of those things. But so US is like maybe one, two steps ahead and China is just catching up, 
right? And everybody is just learning the impacts of big tech and how to then regulate it. So yeah, la, which is why in my idea is like it's quote unquote end. You know, it's not it's, yeah. it's only the beginning in my view. Yes. I agree with you. And I would actually go a bit further to say that, you know, China is probably the one that has taken the most advanced approach to regulation, right? So, you know, regulating social media, regulating platforms and, and the platform economy, I think that's new to everybody, right? Unless you call no regulation, regulation. Having this, <laughs> having as a society to, to set rules around it is something that's new to everyone, um, US, EU included. I think the where China has kind of come from and, and I think this is what has shocked um, Western media a bit is that taken the regulations and, and gone I'm going to be very strict I'm going to try to do things that I think are for the greater good so it appears very punitive especially if you look at it from a Western liberal I don't really need regulation type of lens now. Right. And, and mm-hmm. that, that is the lens that actually has created shareholder value right? and my market mm-hmm. cap maybe at the expense of society but I think that that's a debate we have another day and, and that's what has been and we should have that debate so, yes. we should have that debate and we yes. should have that debate um, in English yes. not on this show <laughs> <laughs> yes yes join us chills with TFC okay we'll do that we'll okay, do that okay. chills <laughs> yes but you know uh, I mean I, I'm just going to be more, more and more podcast now back on China regulation um, <laughs> yes, at the yes. end of the day I think regulation is always continuing right and Maybe by the end, what is really meant here is that we cannot see anything more punishing coming up, right? So they have been dialing in, dialing in, they have been going, you cannot do this, you cannot do this, you cannot do this. And then now they have reached a certain point where you go, okay, fine, I, I think I've set enough restrictions on you. Go ahead and, you know, try to innovate around my, my restrictions. And, and I can see why that, that's a comforting for the markets, right? Because when mm. it is unknown, that's scary. Like you, you don't know what regulation will come up next that could, essentially destroy your business model, right? You could, yeah. They could make WeChat a, a social you know, utility and, and carve it out of Tencent and you go, what? No. But they've done it and, and that's too bad. So maybe that, that's what the end here is. It's just that we are going to stop punishing you for a bit. We are going to take a step back, let the regulations play out. But of course, you know, if you behave badly next time, we can come back in. And yeah, that certainty yeah. is the, the comforting part to it. I think a lot of people, when we think of regulators, right, we think regulators are these like super objective experts, you know, that are, <laughs> that are just here to to do the the best in class work. But actually, a lot of regulators, whether is it your lawmakers, your your you know your parliament, your government, your whatever, you know, all, all these regulators that, that that participate in some sort of regulation work, they really have this thing called the political capital, right? And during good times, they can do more things, right? And when you look at where China is now, not unique to China, it's, it's all over the world, but China is probably having quite some crazy times because it has decided to put its political capital on COVID control, right? So in other words, when you put your political capital on COVID control, a lot of people are going to be very unhappy. And then you try to do any more things on top of that, you're going to snap. And when it snap, there's revolution and China is not, it's not foreign to revolution, right? So uh, <laughs> they're very aware that they don't like, want the revolution. Yeah, yeah. These guys got into where they are because of the successful revolution. So you know, uh, yeah. So they they are very cognizant of these things, and I would say that, like what Anthony said, I don't really like to always agree with who I'm talking to, but I do agree this but round. I'm right, that, so you have to agree you know, with me. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair. But I do agree that regulation or at least 
any more regulation that is like beyond what has already been done, which has a lot has been done, right? They yeah. essentially make some things non-profit. They pull out apps from app stores, you know. They have, <laughs> you know, like create new laws to regulate times of usage for Tencent clients and, and, and all that, right? So uh, some of the craziest, you know, behavioral shifts that these laws are still waiting for us to study and learn more. But I would say anything beyond would, would be quite hard already. I cannot imagine any more. Like, but I mean, it's not beyond the realm of possibility, yes. but it does show that, okay, maybe we are kind of in a time of, you know, things pulling back. But I would also caution for a lot of us listening in, right, to then think like, oh yeah, yeah, then it's time to pile back into China. Right? Because essentially that's what the market is showing, right? Mm-hmm. The flows are showing that, wow, you know, China stocks are just f- flying up over the week, right? And this is not the first time, right? You've seen, multiple two or three times something like that happened and then like more things come out and then it collapses again I cannot predict what's going to happen in the future but I would like to caution uh, some of our audience listening in that hey maybe you, you gotta think a little bit about how these Chinese companies right may have prolonged fundamental impacts even to these things yeah right like like hey if you're out of the app store for half a year Dude, your competitor essentially have like free, no need to compete with you, you know. So marketing-wise, right, whether is it bidding for ads or, you know, paying for anything, it's like low. Their, their cost of acquisition is high. I won't, I mean, I have no clue what's going on with TT's competitors or do they have competitors because TT is huge, right? But yes. apps like Tan Tan, you know, which is a dating app previously also in China, also went to something like they got pulled out the app. So their competitors just flew off the shelf. Right, and then it kept going, right? So, so some of these things, while you may think like, oh yeah, it's a, okay, now regulators are off, you know, they are ready to fly back into business and move again, you might want to take a little bit of time to look at you know, what is the impact or what is the outsized impact that's happened to the company given these things, right? Like with yeah. Tencent and NetEase and all that also. Yeah, it's about whether all these regulations actually have had a fundamental impact on the business model, right? I mean, we like talking about fundamentals, we like talking about the business model. This is exactly it, you know, if they're not going to let you go on the app store or they're going to have to make you pay your drivers more in the case of DT or some sort of national law against it, then your whole business model is going to be impacted. Your profitability is impacted. And we have seen that with like Tencent and Alibaba's earnings over the last few weeks. So that's just going to be it, right? That, that is the new operating environment going forward. Maybe the salvation is, is not getting worse, but it's not getting better either. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And specifically for TT, I think they have already announced that they're going to delist Right and okay, you know, previously they have announced that they're gonna delist, and I recently yep. checked their latest. They have sent, they have officially sent out. Uh, essentially, I think was it a F twenty two or something like okay twenty K ten whatever like you know one of those documents to say that okay we're gonna yes. delist, right? So um, that is the situation. And for all of you thinking that oh yeah we can make some arbitrage blah blah blah, I really don't know. I'm not in this game. Not very not very sure how how things can work, but. Yeah, you, you no. may see some of these things. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a problem. I, I mean, the they'll effectively just kind of buy back the, the shares. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, DD has failed to list in Hong Kong. So so they, they are, Hong Kong listing has run into problem after problem. Unlikely going to happen anytime soon. So And, and obviously, they are, they are not going to be able to list in China because uh, of the driver issue as well. Maybe they can come and list in Singapore like Neo. Then, then that would be a nice way forward. Um, SGX, please. But, you know, um, at, yeah, I think at the end of the day, if anybody wants to play with DT now, just because 
of the news. It has to be short term. Yeah, just because. Right? Yes, yes. The, yeah. the, the company has been doing great. Yes, fine, whatever. But if you if it's going to go OTC, if you're not going to have a liquid exchange for it, as a retail, it's going to be very difficult for, for you. If, even if, you know, 10 years later, they are like, you know, dominant and, and they make billions and billions of dollars. If nobody wants to buy your shares, you can't profit, right? Right? And, and liquidity is important. So I think if, if anybody wants to you know, play TT now. It's it's literally a play, la, right? It's short term. Yeah. You try it's for it and you, you you hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. And and I also think I want to add the last point on this. It's more like for a lot of us, we maybe maybe some of you listening in, you know, you've, you're young as an investor, you're young as a, you know, even as a career professional, right? And you don't realize, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when your team gets beaten down so badly, it's going to take a while to get everybody back on track together, right? So if, if it's like this whole half a year saga with DT, I think maybe a little bit more than half a year already, mm. now see some sort of light at the end and coalesce a, a bunch of leadership and a direction to then move again, that's going to be like, what, another year or two? It's a huge company. It's not like some like, you know, your mother shop downstairs. <laughs> you know, it's like not kopitiam. So that is something that I think for a lot of investors or people that are trying to be opportunistic, you got to, be very clear that the pain is going to be here for a while. Okay, it's not like a immediately, oh, you know, then the next, next earning quarter, oh, things are going to fly. No. A lot <laughs> of the whole earning quarter game, you know, every quarter, every quarter, you see, it's usually an uptrend kind of thing. Usually, uh, it's like it's like a winner and then next win, next win, next win, right? 20 quarters of back-to-back winnings. Uh, yeah, and those kind of situations, you know, in a lot of companies, you will see that kind of uptrend you know from a stock price perspective but it doesn't work when it's a turnaround okay if it's a turnaround company you will see two three four years of like eh, eh. <laughs> Back like, to two, yes yes very one okay but but maybe at the end after the third year when things are controlled you know they manage their stuff you start they start to see steady growth and the market reprice them maybe you know that that one or two quarter you will see huge movements, right? But it's rarely a case where it's like, you know, something turns around immediately V-shape, right? whatever V-shape, yes. whatever shape people tells you, right? So uh, I just want to share with our listeners that, that that's not usually the case. Since we're on China and I think that wraps up TT, why don't we just talk about macro in China, right? We tend to leave it to the end, but why don't we just do it now? Since that's thematically, <laughs> that makes more sense. Mm. Yeah, we just thought you were yeah, talking yeah. about flows, right? What's mm. going on there? Is it just mm. more people buying Chinese shares and, and therefore pushing the, the share price up? Honestly, guys, I'm not the macro pro here, right? But I do follow the Chinese stocks pretty closely. And I don't think you guys really need me to tell you, but over the week or two, right, you, you start to see share prices move a little bit for the Chinese companies mm. and the big tech. Even some of the dominant growth tax, right? But we just talk about China today, right? So you see that in the way they move, right? Even when the market sells down, because usually the market kind of moves, you know, usually in tandem, right? But even when the market sells down, uh, the, the sell down is usually a little bit weaker, right? Mm. And uh, it's quite sticky, right? So mm. e- even from a very casual observer, I'm not a technical person, so I'm, I'm not studying technicals to make my decision, right? But even from a casual observation over a two, three-week period, right? It looks like it has bottomed up. It looks like people yeah. are holding the bag already. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, but I'm, I'm not saying definitely is. Wow, very, very sweat uh, when I say these kind of things. But it's, it's, it's <laughs> not, just... not financial advice, huh? <laughs> yeah, not financial advice. Let me remind everybody again. 
<laughs> yes, yes. But at least that's my observation over the past few weeks, right? You, you start to mm. see like, okay, uh, it's, it's, it feels like people are holding the bag, you know, on, on some level. And to be fair, a lot of these Chinese companies are in value territory, you know, yeah. it's like they, they are cheap by all measure of value, you know. And if you want to think of China as a long-term leader, at least in the next decade or two, yeah, I think the train has already left. China is going to lead. Whether or not it's going to lead alone, that's a different discussion, right? I do think there's a higher tendency that we're going to see a multi-currency global order going forward, right? Where China, the US, and maybe EU, I doubt Russia can stand. Yeah, to together yeah. to come to a term of a new world order. If let's say we don't go to war, okay. Yes, but if we go the, to war, the, right? The, then the, whatever. The super big assumption behind it. Yes, yeah, a super big assumption. We don't go to war. But if you go to war, right? Then whatever we are talking now, right? Just take it as it was a good time, lah. Yeah, whatever money because, is in the stock market what, what, or CPF a, or bank a, account doesn't matter, matter anymore. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You need to grab your shovel, grab land, buy seeds. You know, you need yes. those things more than whatever. Like oh, opportunity here, here, there, there. Right. So, so it's a. Uh, it, it is it is what it is, but that's my view. La. Yeah, I mean... I, you, la, what do you see? Yeah, let me just add on to it. I think as of now, there's just you know a bit of optimism, uh, I would say. Right? That coming in, you, you see your major investment banks going, you know, okay, maybe now is the time to, to look at China again. I mean, they, they say it was uninvestable two months ago, so whatever, right? Take a grain of salt, <laughs> a pinch of salt, a whole spoonful of salt. But, you know, um, you, you, you see a bit of Western interest picking up again. Right, you you see with the the U.S. stock markets getting destroyed or, or plummeting, that a lot of allocators are starting to look to emerging markets, of which China is the biggest one. That's kind of a, a push of flows, and of course, you know, I think we have all been talking about it the the last few months actually. There's a lot of noise in China coming out about loosening the macroeconomic climate, right? About lowering mm-hmm. their rates, which they have, and about you know, trying to stimulate the, the economy again because oh. of zero COVID and you know that the impact it has had on their real economy. Like. And that's kind of where we saw China as as a interesting play short to midterm, right? Because where the rest of the you know Western world in that sense is is tightening, you have a very big economy that's kind of self-contained that's trying to loosen up and bolster their growth. Right, so mm. and I think this is beginning to play out. Um, again, not financial advice. Once I say this tomorrow, they'll fall jalat jalat. So you know, don't don't take my word for it. <laughs> but there, there seems to be green shoots um coming up in China, right? Both from the macro perspective and then even from a, a general earnings perspective. Like you know, JD had good earnings, Tencent not so much. But I mean, b- beside them, you know, the economy seems to be doing okay even with zero COVID. If they can yeah. loosen up, if they can stimulate the economy more, you know, hoping that the property fallout doesn't become too bad, that there is a lot of hope, even if it's just holding a broad base index. And I think that's a good point because a lot of people have already forgotten that the interest rates in China were, were really high. You know, like the, the central bank interest rates were very high. So was it like three, five, was it four, five, somewhere in the, in the, in the range, you know, like... Yeah, you, you need to recognize that. What does that mean? It means that, right, if the government really wants to stimulate the economy, right, they can literally just bring down, you know, the interest rates and, you know, things will just like raw, you know. And yeah, they, they'll, they'll bring down interest rates. They'll start building infrastructure again, you know, to, yeah, to actually yeah. get real economic, you know, activity exactly, going. Exactly, exactly. And, and money so they, flowing they have through. A lot so, more, so, yeah, yeah they, they have a lot more of that. And 
I do think if you look at the inflation numbers, you know, some people say, oh, I don't trust China numbers. I was like, okay, like, whatever. But, but you know, if you look all at numbers the inflation numbers, manipulated. Yeah, all numbers. <laughs> are you coming for the lawyer? Are you, are you? <laughs> So, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, uh, if you look at the Chinese numbers, uh, inflation rates are pretty controlled. Right? So, uh, I would even say they're they're not experiencing massive inflation because if you think about mm. it, they are the manufacturers. They yep. manufacture, right? And they have the end-to-end supply chain. And if I'm manufacturing, on some level, I dictate the price, right? You know. So, yeah. So, I mean, some people will say the consumers are dictating, which which you do see some power shift over the decades, you know. Um. But because China has all these things that they produce on their own and the government of China is not shy to come in and control the markets if they need yep. to, they do have more tools in their, their set law to, to try to play <laughs> around with this whole inflation recession situation. Yes, and, and they control prices a bit better than how Malaysia controls chicken price. La. <laughs> Ismail got issue, la, really. Yes. Don't know who is this Ismail guy. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like China just knows how to play this game, right? They've done it before. If you don't trust their figures, they've manipulated their figures for the last twenty years, right? And they've mm-hmm. become really, really good at it. So I think that's yeah. that's the way to go. For a lot of our younger listeners, you think that China is an anomaly, right? But actually, Singapore takes the same plan, same plan, right? In in fact, some would even say that Deng Xiaoping and Mao Zedong learn from Guan Yu in multiple economic downturn. Singapore built mm. its way out, built, literally just built, 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 right? So you you mm. built new flats, you built new LRTs, MRTs, you you built new new big shiny things like Jewel, like MBS, like all these kind of things. And you literally, through this building activity, spur the economy. That's exactly what China is doing, right? Yes. They just built their way out, all their excess surplus and they need activity. Okay, we just built la, built the train all the way into mm. Inner Mongolia, built the train all the way to like Northwest China, you know, built the train all the way to Yunnan. And like, who goes there? Ah yeah, built first, you know. Built and they will come. the economy first. <laughs> built and they will come. Yeah, so that's their idea, right? And, and Singapore essentially used the same methods. Right, so I, I, we, I we think, used it first. I think, yeah, we even, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we even say Kuan Yu was the one that taught them yes. that, right? So, yeah, it's uh, is that that is that strength, and also big part because they do have a lot of state-owned companies, right, which yes. doesn't exist who, in, in who the are, US. Like. Who are very, you know, historically a lot of construction companies also. <laughs> So, so that, yes, that's yes, exactly lot, where, where they, their strengths lie. Okay, cool. I think that's it for China macro. Unless you had something else you wanted to say about China? I know you have a lot. No, I, I feel know. so I, I feel okay. so naked talking about China macro because like I'm like I'm not the pro here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, why me? This Jefferson, ah, water pipe burst. Ah. <sighs> it's okay, it's okay. I think I think that, that was relatively informative. Okay, go back to US and US tech because you know, I like US tech and, and I'm going to keep shilling US tech. The more they drop, the more I'll talk about it. <laughs> go ahead. So, so yeah, um, CrowdStrike had their earnings, right? So so for people who don't know, I think we did a stock geek on it. They are a cybersecurity company and they had their earnings last week. It was good to great. Everything was good to great, right? They came above expectations for almost every single metric, which is which is good in this environment. They did not blame macro and say that next quarter will be worse. They in fact raised their guidance for next quarter, right? So so no excuses there. So yeah, it, it sounds like a fantastic company. Revenue grew 60%. 
they have debt, but they have more than enough cash to cover the debt. They have positive free cash flow. I think about 30% free cash flow margin. So, I mean, people think about, you know, speculative tech as speculative and they're all loss making and they don't have business models and all that, right? But here you have a company that is, you know, widely rated best in class that is making this a small profit because they are reinvesting that has a lot of free cash flow. So they obviously have a good business model. So yeah, you know, I, I think it's a company that people should take a closer look at, you know, even after the latest earnings. And of course, please listen to our Stock Eco episode. Mm, yeah, which I which I was the one that did it. Thank oh, you. Oh, you did it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the one that did it. Yoo-hoo, yes. So I did it with Thomas. So thank you, Thomas, for always coming on the show. Uh, we need to do more. And I want to <laughs> echo that whole best-in-class idea, right? So so not so much about CrowdStrike, but more about the best-in-class idea. Because I do think that a lot of times whether it's in mainstream media or analyst or even a lot of your influencers, right? When things are shitty, they tend to become a little bit more silent, right? Mm. They become, uh, you know, they, they say, because it's hard to, hard to pinpoint, right? I get it, like, I get it. We've been talking about this, the whole idea of a best in class, right? Essentially that there are a lot of companies that will die. And I remember I repeatedly talk about it, right? Even on our Telegram group or even amongst us, you know, on, on, on my own segment on Tuesdays, a lot of your tech companies and a lot of your small cap companies that don't have a business model previously will all die, right? They'll yep. go to m activity. But a lot of your best-in-class companies like people like Shopify, Netflix, you know, CrowdStrike, you know, maybe Zendesk, Zoom, some of these like big, you know, like tech companies. Okay, maybe they're not big, maybe mid-sized, but like big enough, right? And they, their model already sorted. Fundamentals are strong. They don't have huge, you know, um, debt issues, right? I mean, Netflix has huge debt, but it's, you can argue that it's not an issue, right? So, uh, and, and, and a lot of these companies, they will bounce back like crazy, Right, in my view, right, at least in, in the next few years to come. Right. Because yeah, it's it's a, it's gonna be a buying spree for them, right? And fundamentally they are very, very strong and they have no issue going through these cycles. Yeah, like yeah, that's that's my view. And, and that's exactly why I keep shilling tech, right? Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, as exactly as times get challenging. And they're not like all these analysts, right, keep talking about finance, talking about energy, talking about talking I mean, about look, utilities. It, it's okay and, to I'm buy like, energy, it's okay to buy utilities. No, that, that's no, all fine. Okay. So, you know, Maybe you want no, outperformance no, no, no. in six months rather than three years, right? Different mm, people have different mm, time frames. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, so, so fair, fair. you want to be I technical, agree. fine. I, agree. I don't think it's the, the right thing to do for everybody, especially for retail, because you don't have the time to yes. you know, keep changing. And then if the cycle shifts, you're gone, you know, you're stuck in energy out, yes. and you cannot chase yeah. tech anymore. So and that's why yeah, we, yeah. we so, kind of so, like the focus on businesses, right? <laughs> Yes, I agree. I agree. But I think where I'm going with that was when you start to see analysts pounding, right? And you start to see like mainstream media pounding, but that is too late already. All the rally has already happened. That's why people yes. talk about it. All right? So, so <laughs> to be really, really clear, there's a reason why some of the corners of the internet on Reddit and all that, right? They always make it sound like just take a different position from Goldman and you win already. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> you know, but I think the reality is by the time the media picks it up, by the time you and I, the retail guys, we hear about it, the ship has sailed, right? So when people started talking about DBS, talking about like utilities, talking about like mining and all that, right? They all rallied already 40, 50, 60%. And then now you want to go in, you sure you want to buy those things now? 
you know, whereas all your best-in-class tech companies were like sell off like dirt, you know, and to date they have still not recovered, you know, in a very serious fashion, right? Yep. And then they will not bounce back in a quick way, you know. But yeah, I think that's where you find your bargains, right? And CrowdStrike, I just looked at it, the uh, market cap thirty billion dollars, you know, oh. 30, thirty something billion dollars. It can find X, shouldn't be an issue. Right, so I mean, yeah, so we yeah. It, it's it's not only that it's okay. I think that there's a few things going for it. One is it has good performance in, in its earnings. Two is, you know, there is this whole shift to the cloud, and and with it, you need more security, right? And they are the leader in this generation of security. I mean, of course, there there could be disruptors and all that, but for now, they are the leader, and they're still growing, and and the whole trend is still growing, right? That, that's why Amazon's strong, um, you know, Azure and and Microsoft are strong. And I think that the last thing is, you know, if we are really going to a downturn and a recession, right, you want to be in companies like this because they will be the ones taking market share for everybody, right? They will be the one that, yes. I mean, they, they could be 50% now, but if their competitors auto, you know, they, they will keep winning and winning and winning and ta-da, and <laughs> when everybody up, yes. recovers, it's 70%, 80%, and you have the next generation's leader already. Right, and you don't yes. buy CrowdStrike when they are eighty percent, you know, three five years down the line. You buy them now, and, and you hold, right, and you keep accumulating and mm. keep hoping that their performance continues, right? Because position, yeah. market positions, and all that can change. But you know, I think that's the idea that that we want to try to go for. Like, you want to win in in three to five years when the holding period is up. You don't necessarily need to win now. And I think, like, what we've been talking about. They are, as with many other sectors, are going through a consolidation period, right? So if you understand business cycles, then you understand that in the early days, there'll be a lot of capital that f- there'll be no capital. People try to grow something. And then once uh, there's a proven out concept, proven out idea, capital will flood in to try to find their horse, right? Find the one that wins. And eventually it'll reach a point where there'll be a few leaders. And then, you know, based on these few leaders, there'll be some copycats. And there'll be some peripheral products then that then can build along with, with these things. Mm. And eventually there will be that few runners that buy up some of these things and consolidate to become the dominant player. Yep. Or at least the two or three dominant player. That is how it has been repeating again and again and again, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so we we, we tend exactly to oligopolies, how... right? <laughs> Yes, yes, that, that is the inherent. I mean, there's a reason why there are laws against monopoly, right? If something is not a repeated phenomenon, why do you need laws against it? It is a feature, not the bug, right? So inherently, this is how systems, how the capitalistic system works. As much as we can debate whether is this the future, blah, blah, blah. But given that this is the reality of the day, yeah, and... I would say CrowdStrike will start to accumulate some of all these smaller guys, you know, in, in the space and you will start to see them having like VPN that, you know, like work with the phones and blah, blah, because they are for now still in the relatively traditional side of the antivirus space, yep. you know, with the enterprise uh, systems. They are the new gen. Their strategy is new, but the space that they play in is still quite old school, right? Um, but, you know, if they consolidate and consolidate, then there's all this work from home kind of thing, you know, telecommute and, and there can be so much more than happens, right? Firewall can be so much more flexible with these things. Yeah, there, there may be a whole new future you know, of security that you never know. I cannot imagine where it will go. Well, if you don't want to buy ETF, then you just kind of hope that the leader maintains their, their winning position. Right? I think that's about it. Which is more likely in, in a downturn because nobody else has money to invest and to make speculative bets on their competitors. But I mean, for exactly. all the positivity, right? I, I would still say that CrowdStrike is damn expensive um, valuation-wise. 
Oh, yes, of course, yeah. of course. It's the cheapest course. it's ever been, but it's still like, what, 25 price to sales? Um, 50 times free cash flow? Yes, yes. A few thousand <laughs> times PE. Are you the kind of people that <laughs> 10x price to sale already consider beta already? Hey, very expensive. It's eh. like, oh, oh, it's too- <laughs> you stay in utilities. La. I don't want to talk to you already. <laughs> hey, look, there's so many profitable tech companies now that are less than 10 times price to sale. Right? The yes. last two years, you so couldn't buy anything. But- now... Yes, but you more. can essentially call those guys a value play already. It's exactly the early days of how semiconductors became a thing, how microchips became a thing. In the early days, they were all put together as a tech basket. Hmm. Once you see a sector becoming mature and they get spun off as a separate sector that is no longer seen as tech, then you see the value players start to exist, right? So. These days, you hear what? Or social media companies, or communication companies, or streaming companies, online advertisers, right? You start to see these names, they start to appear and they become very solid in the discussion of mainstream media. And even in analyst report, they try to segmentize and break it up. Then you know that some of these uh, players, essentially the fangs, right? <laughs> they are mature. They are mature or they're maturing. They will go into a situation where yeah, they will change their management. They will start to, you know, becoming a bit more old. You know, there's not as much excitement and energy in them. It's just a natural order of mass, right? As I think something get bigger, it's just harder yeah. to keep like, whoa, you know? So, so it, it takes with, a lot and, more to and move and the needle. Front, yeah, it takes a lot more to move the needle. And so what if you're a great capital allocator? It's, you know, you have so much around. What, what can you do, right? So I would say we need to start to see these tech companies, uh, some of them as a value play already, which will then comfortably put them in some of these PE ratio measurement, mm. which, hey, today, right, Google, Facebook, I think Amazon, they are, what, 20 PE, right? Price to earnings is at They're the same 20. price to earnings as Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would say even cheaper, right? Some of them are even cheaper than Kellogg's, Coca-Cola, some of these like FMCG guys that people take them as like this like on the pedestal will never collapse kind of companies, yes. right? And some of these big tech guys are trading cheaper than them with more optionality. With more growth. With more growth. And I don't think they will collapse also. Yeah. You know, so 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 I, I think that's kind of where where I stand with for with Anthony on, which is the tech. Some of them, best in class, are here to stay. But I think our slight divergence is with like the whole value idea. Like, <laughs> how do you then evaluate some of these like uh, tech companies? They are in different phases, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think I think if you're a bargain hunter, you know where to go. China and tech, pretty much, right? So China and US tech. And <laughs> Whatever is not in fashion, you just hunter. go there because that, that is the part yeah, that nobody wants. Yeah, that fashion is the thrift store. Go yes. there and pick up, right? And then you, you you may pick up some really good stuff. And, and that is the whole bunch of us learning value investing, learning how to pick stocks, learning fundamentals. You know, I know value investing is a bit tainted these days, but yeah. just trying to pick up companies that have more longevity, business-oriented investing, growth, whatever name you want to call it. Essentially, you don't follow the price action of the market and you just want to follow the core of the company and buy good companies, right? Yes. And I think that's kind of why every the whole bunch of us, we, we learn this to do this, right? And if now is not the time, I don't know when is the time. <laughs> I'm already. You buy and when so it's the that, top, uh, you sell when it's the bottom. 
haven't you learned anything? Come on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, more cycles will exist. Yeah. You know, more cycles will come, right? But at this point in time, like, there are some interesting things that we really can take a look at. Right, but uh, all that being said, not financial advice. Wow, yes. yeah, right. So, <laughs> go, go, talk, talk for a good 10 minutes then. Oh, actually, don't listen to me. Yeah, like, okay. eh, actually, yeah, actually, not financial advice. Uh, yeah, you can make your own adjustments. Uh, blah, blah, blah. No, but, but, but it's educational but content coconut, about valuations. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But coconuts, you, you've listened to us day in, day out, every week. You know, nowadays we have so much content that you cannot even keep up every single piece, but you still keep tuning in. And this is a recurring theme that we've been talking about. It's not the first time you you hear it. So, you know, really sit down and think about it. Is this what you believe in? Is this what you want? And, you know, if, if so, then you can find solace that you're not alone, right? Yeah. But don't take our words or as a call to to take action or, yes. or whatever. And, like, and yeah. if you want to learn how to analyze a company, you can go and listen to our Stalking Card episode with Serging where, where he told you how to yeah. look at businesses. <laughs> yes, yes. Great, great. Love yes. that. Love that plug. Yep. <laughs> okay, I, I think that that's it for now. You know, not financial advice, look at CrowdStrike, um, look at China, macro's great. <laughs> uh, th- that's about it for this week. Um, anything else? No, I'm good. It was real fun. Just us. Uh. Okay, I think this will be the future uh, of market updates. <laughs> it's just you, you just you and one random person that just keeps circulating every week. Right? Hey, 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 no, 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 no. So I thought it would be you and one random person. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll come see. up with a roster. All right, thanks. Thanks so yeah, much yeah. for listening in. Um, hope you have a good week ahead. Bye. See ya. see ya. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.